0: playing 18 to a full 60 early leads to buzzer beaters it all starts by getting on the board welcome inside episode 47 of on the board i'm colby mckee the next voice you'll hear is lance doll
1: hey
0: good to talk to you my friend how are you doing good you Doing all right. The next voice you'll hear, Mr. Corey Pekoskis. Hello. We're uh, talking hockey, among other things here tonight. Gary Bettman, back on Tuesday, brought out his, his iPad or some sort of a video recording device and, and broadcast to the world. The NHL has a uh, plan in place to return to hockey sometime in the summertime. He announced 24-team Stanley Cup playoffs where the top 12 teams in each conference, uh, based on point percentage, advance. Anyways, I guess we'll go continue on with you. Lance. What do you think about Bettman's uh, announcement and what do you like about the 24 teams uh, making Uh, this little qualifying round?
1: Yeah, I don't know. Like, It's about as reasonable as it could be considering the circumstances, I think. I mean, the 5, 12, 6, 11, 7, 10, and 8, 9 seeds play and the loser of those will still have an opportunity to win the lottery. So that kind of works itself out. The teams who win those play-in rounds get into the actual playoffs. So, I mean, I think they, they've pretty well done as, as well as they possibly could within reason I mean you can make an argument that 12 seeds shouldn't be in the playoff uh, or into the playing series type games but I think when you look at it you see that teams like 8, 9, 10 and in some cases maybe even 11 are all close enough that you, they could make the case that they could have made a push uh, late in the year to, to find a playoff spot. So when, when you kind of break it down, I think they, they've done the best they can with what they have. They, they've tried to come up with the fairest solution and that way that even the teams that lose out in that, uh, in that play-in round will still have an opportunity to win the draft and, and things like that. So uh, my hat's off to, to the crew, Gary Bettman uh, and NHLPA, uh different player reps that that's a that's a pretty darn good outline that they've put together I think
2: yeah I'm excited that uh, hockey's back um and to, to piggyback off your point there yeah I think with a dozen games left most teams had you know within 11 to, to 13 games in the in the season if it were to continue like the Blackhawks they had 12 games left you could easily make an argument that they could have made the uh the the six points up to get them into the the last wild card there you know I think this was a, a happy medium and, and the teams that were left out i don't think are too upset and i mean the the higher seeds in this first play-in round like the the canucks and and all those teams like the jets they're you know they got to play their way into the the top round they weren't that good enough during the regular season to get that by
0: What's your guys' thoughts on the, uh, the two hub city scenario? One in the east, one in the west. The, the list of cities that are in question, including Chicago, Columbus, Dallas, Edmonton, Vegas, Los Angeles, Minnesota, St. Paul, Pittsburgh, Toronto, and Vancouver you guys like the idea of having two cities there was the idea of floating around about four cities potentially and uh, if you had to kind of make a, a betting wager on which of these two cities are going to be the the end result here for the nhl any any specific choices
1: Ooh, that's a good question that is a good question. Um, I mean, when you look at it, you, you got to think Edmonton has uh, a leg up. Uh, Vegas would have a leg up, just considering the facilities that they have, brand new rinks, a lot of space, and they have the, uh, I guess, accommodations to kind of go along with it. So so I would probably lean like Edmonton, Vegas being the top two uh, places where, where I could see uh, one conference end up in each of those cities. So that's kind of where I would lean. LA, I guess, would be another one. But I think Edmonton and Vegas would have a have an edge.
2: Yeah, I don't know if they're going to come up north of the border. I just think the the procedures up here are a little bit more strict. Not just getting into play, but I think if anything goes wrong, you're more likely to get back into playing hockey down in the south. I heard Columbus was a yeah. We have Columbus on the list there. I think that would be a good one out east. I heard that you know there's um, hotels and 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 food right next to the uh, to the arena. Um, but I think yeah it seems like the uh the number 1 out here in the the west and i think it's got to be two hub cities i think once you get into four there's you know, once you get later into the rounds, it's just going to be too difficult to get teams into certain areas and, and it's not going to be as safe as it could possibly be.
0: I agree with you there about the uh, ability to have the NHL north of the border. I think with our current laws and regulations in place about that 14-day quarantine, I think it's going to be a little bit too difficult uh, to, to have all these, you know, not only just American players, but even European players coming from overseas to, uh, to make that 14-day commitment on top of the entire uh, regular season slash playoffs slash whatever you want to call it. I, I agree with you though The Las Vegas is going to be fantastic. I think that's going to be probably one of the, the, the obvious choices with all the hotels and amenities there on the strip and, and the arena obviously is brand new. Uh, spanking brand new to uh, to host the teams that are there. Uh, What's your guys' have thoughts, though, on the ability to quarantine these players in the respective cities, wherever they decide? Like Basically, they're going to be in their own little bubble, and the fact it's going to be from the hotel, no access to the outside world. You can't even go get your groceries or get a coffee. It's all going to be delivered to you. You're going to go from the hotel to the rink, and that's it uh, for the length of time that you're in that city. Is it going to be able for the NHL to, to quarantine their players in this
1: bubble format? That? Well, I don't see why not, personally. I mean, that, the, that's their job. The, the player's job is to go and play, and if there's extraneous circumstances, like they have to go from the hotel to the rink and people got to bring them their stuff, then, I mean, that's what they know they're getting into, and that's what the Players Association has signed off on. So I, I don't think there's going to be any issue making that happen. I think everyone uh, is going to have a pretty solid understanding of how things are going. I mean, I would hope, and uh, when you consider 24 teams and however many they're going to be able to carry per team plus personnel. I mean, you hope that they all are smart about it, but... I guess there's going to be a risk regardless that somebody's not going to play by the rules and and go out and then you could have a worst case scenario. I hope that doesn't happen, but I can see it being a legitimate concern when you have that many people on that type of a a, a restriction, so to speak.
2: Yeah, I think it's uh, it's kind of an extended road trip for a lot of these guys. I mean, you think when these guys go on five six game road trips, they're not going out and buying groceries and stuff like that. They're spending everything as a team, and you know they're they're going to the rink and getting meals there, or they're going into restaurants and they're they're as a team you know they only interact with the the public you know outside of arenas or or hotels or stuff like that to sign autographs but for the most part i think in road trips they're pretty well just a group of them so i think it's just going to be an extended uh a road trip and i think you get into that mindset that you know this is this is work this is what has to happen for for me to make money and make money for my family and and play hockey so i think they'll be able to buy in pretty well
0: one of the interesting things i was uh hearing in recent days is, I believe Devin Dubnik had a comment of, uh, and he plays for the Minnesota Wild, obviously, but he was saying that he wasn't going to leave his family for that length of time. And that's one aspect of this. Do, do teams, if they're able to carry, you know, their full roster or if specific players don't feel comfortable, do they continue on and they, you know, play backups? Is it a legitimate Stanley Cup? If you're playing teams that aren't at full capacity, what happens if a team like the Calgary Flames lose, you know, Monahan, Goudreau, uh, Riddich, you know, all in the best of five series, in the play-in uh, series, and like what happens there, and you know, the, the legitimacy of this Stanley Cup playoffs is going to be in question, in my opinion, I think it'll always have this little bit of an asterisk to it, no, no matter how they assemble this, and uh, no matter how many teams have to uh, to be played in, what's your guys' thoughts on that?
1: Well, no, it's definitely going to be, I mean, it's never happened before, this has literally never been a thing, so... Uh, any way you look at it, it's gonna it's gonna come with some kind of connotation and mark, and people are gonna reference the the year in a certain way in relation to COVID. But I mean, when you consider all the factors, this is about the best they can do, and so uh, it, it's still gonna be a season. I mean, for a lot of these teams, if not all, there's really gonna be no excuse not to put your best foot forward when you should have most, if not everyone healthy. So you kind of look at it that way. I mean, there's really no reason why it's not going to be legit. It's obviously not the same when you consider an 82 game game, season going straight into playoffs and kind of the wear and tear and the the hot and cold streaks that really can start showing up when you get into playoffs. But I mean, considering the situation that we're in, uh, everyone's still on the same playing field. So uh, I don't know that there's necessarily going to be any so-called like asterisk on it, but it's it's just going to be referenced in a different way because we're going to consider it the COVID season, right?
2: Yeah. And I mean, I think a little bit, you look back to the Raptors championship last year and there's the, you know, the Golden State fans are all like, oh, you know, if we didn't have all those injuries, you know, you guys wouldn't have won. And it's like, well, you did have the injuries. You know, everybody's kind of starting a, a clean slate here. And, you know, something could easily happen to any single one of these teams. You know, injuries, somebody gets sick. You know, it, no team is more likely to get it than the rest. You know, it's 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 even playing field. So if you get it, you know, boo-hoo. Let's hope your depth can get you through. Yeah, I, I'm a little bit worried for the, the Montreal Canadiens, because I know Max Domi has diabetes and I think that's I think diabetes diabetics are more at risk for this virus Um,
0: so I'd be interested to see if Domi even starts this or even tries this that's a great point didn't even think about Domi and his uh, pre-existing condition there Um, as part of Bettman's address there on Tuesday uh, I believe is in phase three is when the formal training camps are to begin that's not going to happen until the first half of July so we're looking at kind of an end of July early August start to the qualifying of these playoffs. Uh, like I mentioned, the top four teams are going to be competing in a round robin for seeding going into the first round of the playoffs. In the East, that's your Washington Capitals, Boston Bruins, Tampa Bay Lightning, and the Philadelphia Flyers who, uh, if we don't forget about that, they were on a crazy good streak. I believe like nine of the last 10 games before the league shut down due to COVID, uh, they had won and they, they earned themselves uh, one of these top four buys. In the West, it was Dallas Stars, the Vegas Golden Knights, the St. Louis Blues, and the Colorado Avalanche, it kind of speaks to the parody like we were talking about earlier that the ability to have these 24 teams in this qualifying tournament any one of these 24 I think could have a a legit shot of upsetting teams and making it even further than they can just due to the rest and the the lack of injuries and the wear and tear like you talked about Lance going into these playoffs I think that this will be the best brand of playoff hockey we have seen in quite some time
1: Uh, yes and no I mean like uh, I, I just I'm gonna have a hard time ever getting past just the concept that like what I appreciate so much about the NHL playoffs is... The grind it takes to get there and then like how the adversity that you face those 82 games up kind of leads into what you do in the playoffs like you look at, at the Blues last year and just the the ridiculous run they go on they catch fire and just start rolling and crushing teams and all of a sudden the snowball never quit and they made just this ridiculous run all the way through and, and that's like the best part when you, when you look back at playoffs each and every year you always find these little elements like that. and I just don't know that you're going to find that in, in this type of scenario it's going to be great because like we've been saying like you're going to get the best players against the best players uh, assuming that everyone travels and, and makes the uh, the games but there, there's just that element of going through the rigors of the season and kind of riding the waves and the valleys throughout to, to get to where you're at that that's kind of gone in this so i don't know that it's it, it's going to be the best because the best players are out there but i'm not sold on it being like the the best over the scope of a year if that makes sense
2: yeah um I think the fans have a big part to do with it, too. Fans in the stadium. I mean, like, what's a Calgary Flames playoff run without the sea of red? Uh, I think just the momentum that the fans have, that you know, how they can shift momentum, get behind their, their, their home players, that's going to be big. And, and also the way that away teams use the silence of home fans to their advantage to, to stun teams. Like, I think, you know, the loudness of the arena, the players won't be able to buy into it as much. I think that'll have a huge factor into to the playoff hockey.
0: No doubt about it. I agree with you there. I mean, we've been seen across the pond with the European soccer and the lack of fans in those stands. We've seen UFC in recent weekends uh, with no fans down in Jacksonville. It's uh, it's one of those things where, in a in a UFC aspect, I think that it almost enhances the uh, the ability of the fighters in the fact that you you hear the punches and you you see more of the action. You're not mesmerized and taken aback by the fan reactions in a in a fighting aspect. Whereas a team sport like a soccer and and, and hockey. As as well like you mentioned Corey, like that adrenaline and that that reaction it almost works better in a team sport aspect so i definitely uh, can see that the fan aspect being a different issue heading into these playoffs if we ever even get there to that point let's go a little bit quickly to the uh, the matchups in the qualifying round best of five for each of these and uh, this will be earning a spot into the first round of the playoffs so it's like an additional round uh, for some of these teams making it a little bit more difficult if that's the way you want to look at it in the in the east you got Your Pittsburgh Penguins versus the Montreal Canadiens. We mentioned them earlier on. Carolina Hurricanes versus the New York Rangers. The New York Islanders versus the Florida Panthers. And the Toronto Maple Leafs versus the Columbus Blue Jackets. Right off the hop. Any matchups of those four really tickle your fancy there as we take an early look into them?
1: Give me Pitt and Montreal. That is going to be good like arrested Kerry Price that's gonna have all the motivation in the world to to go on a run. If there's a guy that could steal every game of a five game series, let alone every game of a seven on full rest, it's probably Kerry Price. So like if I'm pit, I'm not exactly thrilled. That, that we draw Carey Price and, and the Montreal Canadiens at a five twelve, 12 but uh, that, that's easily the one for me in the East that, that that's going to have the most juice
2: yeah I agree with you that's that's going to be the, the one but I think just to give a different answer I'll go with the uh, the Hurricanes and the Rangers just because you saw the Hurricanes last year in the playoffs you know how they kind of a bunch of nobodies no real star talent you know push their way past some, some top teams and um, into the conference final there and then I think the New York Rangers I think they're a couple years away from being a real dominant team. They got a lot of young players. I think they could very well be looking at the Stanley Cup in a, in a few years from now. So I think that'll that'll create a really good matchup.
0: And to your point uh, with the Hurricanes, I mean, they should have their goaltenders back with mm-hmm. all of this. We talked about the injuries and they should be able to, uh, to have both their goaltenders in a very good situation health-wise. Uh, for me, I like that Toronto-Columbus matchup. Very interesting to see how the Maple Leafs can potentially get past their uh, playoff blunders of recent years. We talked about that with Kyle Bacoskis a few weeks back and uh, with with Columbus and their injury situation. To to be in this spot is fantastic. It's one of John Tortorella's best coaching jobs uh, in many many years to get this team to where they're at and to be in this points race, basically neck and neck there with Toronto and uh, if they can obviously be healthier as well and uh, they got their dual goaltenders in Corpusalo and uh, and Elvis that could be a a very interesting matchup there in the East. Uh, In the West you got your edmonton oilers chicago blackhawks nashville versus arizona vancouver minnesota and the all-canadian matchup there calgary versus winnipeg i think for for lance and i i think we're both gonna say that calgary winnipeg matchup Corey, are you on the same page there
2: yeah i'd agree with you there i think edmonton and chicago might be real sneaky the uh mcdavid drysidal versus the vets uh taze and Kane. that'll be interesting because edmonton's the higher seed and they're they're i don't know could you even classify chicago as an underdog given who they have as, as some uh stanley cup performers
1: yeah no. no i know like i look at it it's like chicago's again just like montreal in the east like they're they're an awfully tough 12 in the west that's a lot of experience and a lot of grit that's going to come out of Chicago against the Edmonton Oilers. I mean, the oil are no joke, but it's going to be interesting. They were a team that, I mean, almost a complete script reversal from two years ago to uh, this past and then to this year, kind of how the ebbs and flows of their special teams have gone. Uh, having one of the worst special teams in 2018-19 to having one of the best special teams groups in 19-20. And so we'll see if that momentum that they've built over the the first part of the season kind of carries through into playoffs. But playing Chicago is is not exactly a, an easy draw, I wouldn't say. But yeah, for me, Calgary-Winnipeg is, is the one to watch. I mean, uh, would not be ideal again giving goaltenders rest, that's kind of the biggest thing that I've keyed on in these five-game matchups is just the amount of rest for quality goaltenders is not something that you want to face. And uh, no offense to David Riddick, but he's not Connor Hellebuck. And so when you give Hellebuck that much rest as a guy who plays a lot of games to begin with, he can easily kind of roll through series by series and carry the Jets pretty far.
0: No, I I actually agree with you there, Lance. That's a very scary matchup uh, if you are a Flames fan like myself and, and like Lance. That Vancouver-Minnesota matchup with the, the young gun Canucks and uh, a young guy like Jacob Markstrom in there in net against a very experienced and older crew there in Minnesota and potentially Devin Dubnik if he does make the, the travel there. That's an interesting matchup and uh, one that you know could see the Canucks get out of this round and into the first round of the playoffs in quite some time, dating back to that first round matchup there with the flames back in 2015 i want to say
2: yeah i think vancouver i was talking about the new york rangers earlier i think vancouver's the west equivalent they got those a lot of young talent and they've been mixing in some actual semi all right good contracts for veterans not louie erickson you know tyler myers tyler myers ended up being a you know a solid signing he's been great on the back end there yeah minute like i don't know I, like i forget minnesota's a team sometimes like Prise and Suter. you'd think that i don't know like they just have become so irrelevant for me. Me, since they signed Suter and Farise, I was like, like, "Oh yeah, they're they're what? Oh, they're seventh in the conference and got bounced in the first round. Yeah, okay,
1: move on. Yeah, that's a very Minnesota thing. That's a very <laughs> Minnesota wild thing to do. I uh, I have zero faith in Minnesota. I could I can see them, I guess, maybe beating Vancouver. I don't know. Uh, I I couldn't really tell you how they'll do it, but they might like uh, i guess it's possible and arizona and nashville is maybe the most boring series on this list that is
2: or islanders panthers it's know, between I, it's those the two
1: islanders panthers man at least it's like you got Barzell, and you have huberdo and barkov and at least there's some semblance of players on these teams but like like nashville is is good and arizona is not and that's the six eleven that's that <laughs>
2: you telling me that Ryan Johansson and Christian Dvorak isn't the matchup you want to see?
1: Surprisingly, just not. Taylor, Taylor Hall? I'm, just not, I'm not in it. <laughs> I, I, I could do without the 6'11. Like, if, if that never
0: happened, I'd probably be happier. It's got to be nice for Sportsnet to have six of those Canadian teams in there for their viewing pleasure, hey?
2: Yeah, I think uh, it'll. I, I don't know. I feel like this is the worst year to do it because literally anybody that's a hockey fan is going to be watching it. Yeah, I don't know. I think all eyes are going to be there anyways. But yeah, it's nice to have the Canadian teams there to to, at least somebody can from the whole country can you can cheer for somebody. Yeah, I was
1: going to say it'd be nice if all six got through, but like Calgary and Winnipeg play each other like Winnipeg should just be given the 11th spot and it can be Calgary, Arizona and Nashville Winnipeg like that. That would give me more juice and then that way all the Canadian teams can get through and, and then we can get really excited about having Canadian teams in but.
0: That's a good point. That would be very cool, but uh... but it's so it goes to the point about the parody is that I mean, in January, early February, when these all these teams were were scuffling and, and trying to get ahead of each other in the points race, like at one point Calgary was ahead of everybody, and then Edmonton is now a five seed, and Calgary's an eight seed, and Winnipeg's in the mix, and like the teams and the and the closeness of these points percentage is outrageous, especially in the West
2: yeah i mean the, we've been talking about that all year is that that pacific division it could go to anybody you know one or one or two of them is going to end out outside of the playoff race but not by much but i guess uh this little format you know they all get a shot i mean they're they're all playing playoff hockey even though it's not really playoff hockey but kind of playoff hockey to try and get into the playoffs yeah playoffs <laughs>
0: well I guess we'll move on quickly to the uh, NHL draft lottery that was announced by Bettman there on Tuesday the first phase of that is going down June 26 and uh, it's very convoluted very confusing so the only thing I really wanted to touch on was that Ottawa has the second and third best chances at the number one pick and uh, potentially Alexi Lafreniere, which would be quite a coup for them I don't know how you guys feel about uh, the, the ownership group in Ottawa and if they deserve a first overall selection but uh, for a canadian team to potentially get this uh the superstar in the making in La Freniere. that'd be pretty cool though
1: yeah like like ottawa's built something over the past few years they've actually they, they've done like what ottawa doesn't normally do and they've made good decisions along the way i mean the last like two and a half three years has been a bit of a tire fire but like they they now have a base and a lot of guys that are if not in their their main club already, they're pushing from the A that they have a core of like almost double digit guys that are gonna be so dynamic in just a couple of years. And if you add Alexei Lafreniere to that, it's like now you're just really dragging everyone along and just starting to get the wheels going. I mean If they can, if Mads ends up going there, Mads Sogard, and they get some goaltending from anyone uh, in Ottawa, whether that's Sogard or or anybody, like if they can find a goaltender, they have the pieces that you would need. I mean, they have Shabbat locked up. They have Brady Kachuk locked up. If you bring Lafreniere into that to kind of go with Drake Batherson and White and and so many different pieces, uh, that would be a massive, massive dub for the Ottawa Senators.
2: Could I make the point that the Ottawa Senators are the smartest NHL team in the past decade? No. I'm going to give you, or maybe not best decade, past five years. <laughs> no. So, <laughs> no? All right. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say so, no. I'm saying that whole debacle that happened years ago, or a couple years ago, where the whole Eric Carlson situation, maybe, you know, it all went on Melnick. There was nothing about Dorian. There wasn't much about Dorian, the actual GM that was making these shitty moves and taking this team from this, like a goal away from the Stanley Cup finals all the way down to a basement team. Uh, You know, I bet you Melnick, I'm not actually saying this might have happened, but maybe it might have maybe happened. He takes all the, all the heat, you know, lets Dorian focus on his job, makes the huge Eric Carlson trade where everybody thinks they get fleeced, but in turn they end up absolutely stealing from the San Jose Sharks. Um, and then, you know, Melnick just takes a little bit of hit, heat for a couple of years. And now these guys are in the right direction because you mentioned, Lance, all like those names, like they just need a couple more pieces and a goalie. And they got a lot of goalies that could very well be that guy. Like, I think, you know, I don't know, maybe it was all a show that, you know, they're not as dumb as they seem. And, and you know, they could be real contenders over the next couple of years.
1: I mean, just remember they made the Matt Shane trade, right? Like, remember they made that trade and brought him in and shipped out the first-round pick. Like, like they're not the brightest group of guys. And and Melnick <laughs> has a propensity to get his hands into things when he shouldn't, and he's a bit overbearing. That's why he takes a lot of the heat, because a lot of the decisions end up falling on his plate, where Pierre Dorian's just like, hey, man, can we do this? And he's like... Yes or no. And so that's kind of why a lot of the heat falls uh, on Melnick. But they, they have made good des- decisions along the way outside of the Duchesne uh, trade. Uh, they've made some great acquisitions and stockpiling of picks, and they've found a way to, to rejuvenate their their minor league system uh, in a hurry with, with a plethora of guys.
0: I'm sure that San Jose had no envision of being the third worst team in the in the NHL this year and giving up this first rounder. They probably thought with Carlson, with Burns, with their their stockpile of forwards and maybe some competent goaltending, they'd be competing for uh, a Western Conference final berth like they have been in previous years, but uh, that's the that's the risk of trading a future pick like this. You just never know where it's going to end up and where your team's going to be at that time.
2: Yeah, I would venture to say they're the worst off team right now the whole league like they are a struggling franchise they don't have a goalie they don't have picks and all their veterans are have huge deals that last a lot of years like Vlasic's what got another seven years Mm -hmm. on his deal that's going to take him to late 30s like yeah he was an Olympic defenseman but he he was a defensive defenseman like he's just like I don't know like they're they're struggling like get Logan Couture out of there I think he's a young or you know I guess he's not young anymore but he's he's solid I I don't want to see his career ruined with the with the Sharks, the, the sinking ship.
1: Well, you touched on it, though. He's not young anymore because, like, no one on that team is young anymore. You know? Like, they, they just don't have young guys. And they have... They traded for Eric Carlson, who's a defenseman that can't skate backwards. Like, that's an issue. Like, you, you need defensemen that can skate backwards and forwards, and he can only do one of those. That, that's not good. Brent Burns, like, he's he's the guy that has value, right? I mean, he he, he might have been dash 40 this year or something, but... He's like the the one guy on the sharks that can get you a bunch of stuff, whether it's guys that can fill in your bottom six uh, until you start retooling or rebuilding, whatever you want to call it. But like, he's the trigger guy. If they move him to get some actual pieces that aren't 30 plus and, and can play, like that's, that's kind of what the step needs to be. And then they can just ride Aaron Dell for, 10 years if they need to until until they're ready to go
2: do you realize what you just said yeah you just said ride Aaron Bell for 10 years yeah, I mean, <laughs> and you think things are going to be okay. Well, I
1: mean, however long it takes. I mean, Ottawa hasn't had a goalie in a while. So like it feels like 10 could be 10. You just never know. You have Aaron Bell. You need be it.
2: <laughs> that's true. That's true. Holy.
1: Okay. I'll, I will preface. He's a guy. isn't? I'll, I'll kind of retract that. Anyways. If, if you're riding Aaron Dell for 10 years, you're going to need to trade whoever you got for Brent Burns in order to, to really be a, a team again.
0: Or you can draft like the Ottawa Senators have with Matt Sogard and a bunch of other big, tall European goalies. An option. Is there- I guess we'll move on to the WHL portion. We did our big draft uh, starters episode last week, but Corey says he has some Tigers trivia for us tonight. Is that right, Corey?
2: Yeah, yeah. not much uh, happening in the WHL world right now. We're still just kind of waiting on the NHL and kind of waiting out the summer, but uh, I I'd, thought I'd give us our Tigers some love and, and throw some trivia your guys his way oh
1: okay i'm not really good at (laughs) trivia so this should be fun (laughs) all
2: right so um i will ask a question i will let 10 players one you know one by one and you just gotta say yes or no and uh you guys are gonna be playing between each other and whoever gets the uh the most right answers i guess wins the trivia all right gentlemen the question is did this player get 100 regular season points in a tiger uniform Okay. okay. All right. So All right. Okay. So we're, gonna start, okay. we're gonna start off. Okay. Start off pretty easy. Tigers All right. I think 100 easy. Hundred
1: points in the tiger's uniform. Kate. Okay.
2: Yes. Derek Dorsett. No. Hundred points or no. No. Let's go no. Yes, he did. Colby is up one nothing. He had one hundred and twenty-eight regular season points. Oh, Wait, is that get like season
1: or his career? His career. Oh, well, okay, obviously. he. Okay, never mind. Sorry, I understood Sorry, wrong. Sorry.
2: Okay. All right, got all right.
1: one. That's okay. I'm an
2: idiot. For all, right, all right. Sorry. you were back. Sorry. This isn't is the career. I should have prefaced. Uh, <laughs> a couple guys that have gotten 100 regular season points. I should also preface. This is, this is only in this century. This is since the 99 or 2000 and up. All right. Okay. okay. We'll go with Ty Stanton second. Yeah, I, go the first again.
1: I got the first one wrong.
2: <laughs> Colby, do you want me call to Colby? go? Yeah, we'll switch back and forth. Tie stand, Colby. My initial reaction is no. Okay.
1: Yeah, that's okay. my initial no. reaction, too, is no. 103
2: oh, points geez. for Ty Stanton in a Tiger oh! uniform. Today. All right. All right. We go Damn. down. Still one nothing, Colby here. Third one is <laughs> Zach Fisher. Tiger that got traded to the Spokane Chiefs in his 20-year-old year. Did he get 100 regular season points in a Tiger uniform, I should say?
1: Um, um, just because you're a trickster, I'm going to think that this is a trick question. It's actually no, he did not.
0: I think when I was doing research for our uh, one of our Tigers drafts, or maybe it was for this, this, this recent one we did, I believe he had the one really good year. He had like 65 points in 60-some games. But other than that, he had a whole bunch of nothing. So I'm going to go no.
2: You are both correct. 87 points for Zach nice. Fisher in the orange and black. We move to defenseman Matthew Conan. And this is on yeah, me, right? Please. We'll go Colby
0: first here. Uh... I'm going to say yes. I don't know
1: how he would have had time to get 100 points. Like, he played so many games, though. The guy played, like, over 300 games in the dub, but he had so many Mm -hmm. Pims. He was in the box so much. (laughs) How would he have had time to get 100 points? Oh, I think it's close whether he did or didn't, but... Purely based off of the number of games he played, I'm going to say yes, he got over
2: 100. So both say yes, and both are correct with 107 points. Matthew Conan going out Oh, Nice close one. All right. Yeah, these are all within like 30 or 40 of 100 points. (laughs) It's not the easiest. All right. You guys are doing great. You guys got a lot of right answers so far. We go to current player, Brett Kemp. Does he have 100 points with the Tigers yet?
1: I just played a season and a half. Lit it up this year. Yeah, I don't think he... Oh, man. He didn't exactly have the best Ah. last, like in the prior season. When you after that trade, he had a great first year. I'm gonna say no. I don't think he's there. I think he's close, but not yet.
0: Yeah, I don't know off the top of my head what he ended with. I think he was like mid to high seventy points this year. So that makes me think he had to get twenty five last season. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say no as well. I don't think he got there. He did. I don't know.
2: (laughs) (laughs) You both are correct. Ninety eight points with brett kemp oh surely get it next year if he suits up quickly moving on we go to chris stevens the the line mate of of derek dorsett back in 07 um did he get 100 points in a tiger uniform
0: oh this one really gonna have to rack my brain here um Mm-hmm. I know he played. He played first line minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, did he ever get over a hundred points together? I'm gonna say. I'm gonna say yes. He did.
1: Yeah, I think so too. I, I'm pretty sure he had a couple bigger seasons. So I think he did.
2: 100 points on the button nice. for Chris Stevens nice. his <laughs> uniform. <laughs> yeah good he who was he uh he was playing with Dorset and helm in that 07 championship that sounds right um, I so. yeah i think so yeah. because i
1: think that, Hake, uh, he would i think he played the right side Dorset played the left side or maybe i flipped them maybe they're on the opposite side and then helm was in the middle if i remember right
0: wasn't he on a line with Ennis at one point?
2: Possibly, yeah. I bet you the amount of talent they had back in 07, you could have just interchanged anybody into any line yeah. you wanted. All right, yeah. quickly moving along. we got four left here. We're going to go to Roman Peserni.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Roman Peserni have
2: 100 points. We go to Colby.
0: Before I give my answer, I want to give a quick Roman Pocerni story. Um, so my I had a, a buddy in grade school, this is funny, named Jordan Warzak. And we used to play mini sticks in his basement like every day after school. And for his birthday, I don't know how his parents got this to happen, but he had Roman Percerni and Thomas Vosverda come down to his basement and play mini sticks with us for his birthday. No joke of a
1: lie. Just send the imports over.
0: So that was... They did. The Tigers are like, yeah, these two guys with barely no English can go and, and give these kids a thrill of a lifetime. So, but to get back to our original point, I'm also going to go no. He did not get to 100 points.
2: He did, in fact, get to 103 no points in medicine hat <gasps> He did. <laughs> I don't know. I've known the the name Roman Percerny for so long. I don't know how. He hasn't done anything other than go to Medicine Hat and then go back to where his homeland was, I think, in Czech Republic. Like, I don't know how I I recognize that name, but
1: anyway. I I assume he didn't because he was such a ridiculous figure when he was a member of the Tigers. Like... Everyone's just like, oh, there's there's a guy with a P and then an S right after his name. Because no one had seen that in medicine <laughs> Hat. We're sheltered here. So I was like, what the hell's up to
2: <laughs> oh, <yeah>. Holy! <laughs> All right. Uh, moving along. Yes, he had 103 mm. points. If I didn't
0: mention earlier, we go to Boston Lear. Oh, another dude. He was a bottom 6 forward for the most of his career, I want to say. Um Boston, Boston. I'm gonna say no. He did not.
1: Yeah, I don't think he did either. Taylor Lear was was really good. Boston was actually decent with the Tigers, but mm-hmm. just uh, I don't think he put up up enough points to to get anywhere. So I'm gonna say no. He didn't get 100.
2: You are both correct. <laughs> wow. uh, 97 points for for Boston Lear. All right, getting into the last oh. two um, two defensemen. Uh, we're gonna start with Ty Lewington. The old camp. Oh, man.
1: See, I wasn't living here on the Ty Lewington days, so I don't really remember much <laughs> about him outside. Like, did he fight? Was he a fighter?
2: Uh, Colby, you'd probably know better than I.
1: Like, like
2: I <laughs> I don't know. Can you tell by his oh, pim okay, minutes? Dude. I don't I know. I feel like he wrapped oh. up
1: a fair amount of pims in his day, too.
2: 112. Yeah, that's. No. That's a deep. No, sorry, 411? Okay, that sounds more yes.
1: more correct, Yeah.
2: That sounds I was better. Say
1: 112, maybe he's not a fighter. Um,
2: that might have been in one see Yeah, 411 penalty minutes. That oh. sounds right. Um...
1: Oh. <laughs> did Ty Livingston get to hundred? I'm gonna say, oh man, I don't know. If Matt Conan can get to a hundred, anyone can. <laughs> and Roman Piserci. <laughs> like before I give my answer, let's just soak in the fact that like Matt Conan and Roman Piserci got to hundred points. Like round of applause. That, that's cool.
0: Um, Big time player. I'm gonna
1: yep. say well no. Ty Livington did not.
0: Um, I think. I don't, I don't even have uh, analysis on this. I'm just going to say, yes, he did. Ooh,
2: Colby with uh, the two-point oh. lead now. Ty Lewington, 112 points. I accidentally said the amount of points instead of oh, the game, you're an so idiot. I tried to play that off. <laughs> <laughs> well, that worked. Yeah, <laughs> 411. That was East. good. Holy, 250 games played with the Tigers. He's doing pretty well uh, professionally now, too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right, last one. That's right. Lance cannot win or tie. We already have a winner, but for uh, for the sake of getting one more right, we're going to go with the last one,
0: Dylan Busanius. Oh, this is me. Um, I think Dylan played a ton of games in Medicine Hat. He's one of those probably close to 300, maybe 250, something like that. But, uh, man, did he have an offensive streak in him? I'm going to say no. I don't think he got
1: Yeah, there. like, I remember I- he got traded a bunch, but I don't like. I think it was all in quick succession that he ended up in like with four teams in a matter of no time at all. But I don't think he did either. No.
2: 113 oh. points in the WHL, but only 68 <laughs> with the <laughs> Tigers. He did great. not get 100 with the hey. Tigers. So I thought I'd fool you guys because he you got, you got to 100 into the w- WHL. But anyway, that's it. Colby is the, the winner of this round. Um,
0: what do you guys think of that? That was a ton of fun. I enjoyed that, not just because I won, but I'm glad I got to tell my Roman Pasterny story. That was I can't great. Can't
1: believe they sent Roman Pasterny <laughs> and Thomas Misverda. Like,
0: like <laughs> the two guys
1: that aren't from here, that aren't really established in North American culture. They're like, yeah, go into some kid's basement and play mini sticks with them. Like, how did that conversation come about? <laughs>
0: Oh, I don't know, but I remember we were super happy just to have anybody from the Tigers there, so it yeah, made our days. Yeah. But uh, great job, Corey! That was fantastic a little piece of trivia. Hope you had fun uh, following along there. We'll wrap things up with uh, a quick mention of the European soccer because we talk soccer How's all the time, guys? and uh, we'll we'll talk about. Alfonso Davies because this kid is uh, is fantastic and he's making the move out to uh, Bayern Munich in the Bundesliga he's 19 years old they've been back in action for just about two weeks now with uh, everything during the pandemic and he's making some highlights, did you guys see that defensive effort he made coming back they clocked it over 35 kilometers an hour as he stole the ball away from a uh, Borussia Dortmund forward, yeah, he it was is, pretty crazy,
1: he's so good man He's so good.
2: Yeah,
0: I, I love, I don't know, honestly,
2: more so than, like, Connor McDavid coming up and, like, the, the really good players in sports that we know. I love Canadians going into sports that aren't known that Canadians do and just wrecking. Like, Bianca Drescu, like, her... Um, her win over Serena Williams was like, I loved watching that. That was almost more fun than watching hockey and, and getting to see Alfonso Davies excel in soccer when there hasn't been much success in, in Canada. Like that's, it's just awesome to watch.
0: And he's playing a position that he's, I don't think he's totally comfortable with playing this left back position. I believe it coming up with uh, the Vancouver white caps that he was playing a forward or a striker role. And obviously with uh, the talent they have in Bayern Munich with uh, Ludendowski and and I believe Thomas Moeller is a, a forward or a striker as well. They just have no space for him up there, but he's made this transition to uh more of the defensive side with some offensive ability. And he's, I mean, arguably, and people are way smarter than I am in, in European football are calling him the best left back currently in world football. That's a huge accomplishment for a kid who's only yeah, 19 it's years old.
1: Crazy, man. Like, I mean, to go from being a striker to being a left back is, is tough enough because uh, it's a, literally the opposite end of the pitch. Like, (laughs) Like, it's the complete opposite end. The responsibility is completely different. And he really didn't get a big taste of it, I don't think, because when he had agreed, like you were saying, when he was with Vancouver and agreed to go to, to Bayern, he was playing striker with the Whitecaps and then committed to going to Bayern Munich and planned on going through the Canadian men's national program. There was a few games that they had to play, whether it was CONCACAF or something. And Bayern really wanted... The Canadian national program to put him at left back because they want to see how he did. So he we went out there and he played left back and and kind of fixed it up. And ever since then, he's just taken off. But it is uh, it's huge for Canadian sports to have uh, Davies making a splash in a major soccer league because like no male Canadians done that really like that that hasn't been a thing. And so now Canada is getting on the map on the biggest international sporting platform ever
2: yeah can you just imagine like the flames go up to johnny goudreau it's like yeah we don't have much room at, at left wing when you're coming into the league so let's put you on defense see how you yeah, see how you're yeah. for your first couple seasons here <laughs> i'm guessing it's pretty similar i mean alfonso seems like a really offensive um fast probably not the biggest guy and they're putting him back there i bet you he's learning so much whether it be practice or even during the game from those those two strikers up front
0: 100% and I mean we've seen in in recent days Leon Dreisaitl comment about Alfonso and uh, obviously Leon is a German born player playing in Canada, playing the national sport here in Canada and for Alfonso just I guess you know game recognized game and the fact that Alfonso's playing his home country's you know main sport and dominating uh, on a level that you know very few players have ever done and uh, he could be you know a prodigy uh, for many many years with Bayern so it, it's totally cool to see the cross sport relationship and. Interaction between those two.
1: Well, you know, it's just it's it's a thing like like I was just referencing the national program, but it's like for years the staple has been Christine Sinclair on the women's side of, of the Canadian national team, and now they have a legitimate superstar in Alfonso Davies that can. That can really elevate this this country and this program to, to levels they've never seen. I mean, like, like Alfonso Davies could become the most recognizable Canadian athlete ever and if he's not already, he, he's gonna be close right now. I mean, just think of, of how much more recognizable and how much more people are gonna get to know Alfonso Davies over the course of six, 12, 18 months.
2: Yeah, I mean it's it's a domino effect. I mean you see like kids look up to him; they want to be like him. They start to play soccer at a more competitive level. I mean, I think that's what women's hockey needs here. Um, it's just like those a face or two um, that everybody can get behind, um, and, and then it's going to start skyrocketing. Like I think the kids are are going to look up to Davies, and and hopefully this is what soccer um, in Canada needs.
0: Yeah, and hopefully. Uh, Canada soccer plays him as a striker and doesn't play him as a left back because the talent of of Canadian soccer, especially on the men's side, like you mentioned, isn't great. And uh, they need his offensive prowess there. That was kind of a a point of conversation in uh, in recent international competitions that they, they kept playing him at left back. But, I mean, in international competition where they need his scoring, they need him to play as a striker. So we'll have to wait and see on that.
1: Yeah, the development will be interesting, I guess, right? You're you're now going to be developing a whole bunch of different skills as a left back than you would as a striker. So to, to kind of see, and like you just said, he's not even 20. And so he still has so much room to grow. It'll be kind of interesting to see how his development progresses if he almost, I I guess for lack of a better word, loses a little bit of that offensive instinct to just become more well-rounded while playing left back.
2: Yeah, and maybe he becomes, like, keeps that striking ability but just has a little bit of defensive touch, and all of a sudden he's Connor McDavid running around there best at everything
0: very true Uh, that's gonna wrap things up tonight any other final talking points gentlemen
2: Uh, um, Jack Eichel needs to Jack Eichel needs to man up and make the playoffs that's about it
0: (laughs) all the sabers
2: suck (laughs) yeah
0: they're so bad Uh, You can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash on the board podcast. We're on Twitter at on the board pod. I'll be looking at our socials the next couple days. We're coming up on our one year anniversary here of on the board. And uh, we're looking for your, your highlights, your, your moments that made you laugh, made you smile, and uh, might be doing a little best of podcast in the coming days, leading up to our first year anniversary. So I'll be looking at our social media platforms for those posts for Lance Talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to On the Board. Subscribe now on your favorite podcast platform and find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash on the board podcast. Yes!
2: Yes!